Well, good evening. Good to see you all here. We are beginning a new series entitled Spirit. And for the next five weeks, we are going to be looking at what is meant when we say, like in John 4.24, that God is spirit. Uh, many of you who are familiar with the, the Christian tradition know that Father, God is known as the Father, as the Son, and as the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes we, we talk about God and we talk about the Son, but the Holy Spirit is kind of vague and we don't really talk about the Spirit as much as we do the other two. And it's not because he's got third billing. It's just how elusive this concept is. And, and you know, when we talk about spirit, spirit, the idea of spirit is a lot easier to talk to someone about, say, than it is Jesus, right? If you were, or even start off with God, it's easier to talk about God than it is about Jesus because Jesus is very particular. When you start talking about Jesus, it's a lot more concrete. There's a lot more attached to the person of Jesus than just God. And so when you're getting in a conversation, it might be easier to talk about God than it is specifically about Jesus, but it's even easier if you start talking about the idea of spiritual, or maybe you would say spirituality, right? If you were to add spirituality. Because a lot of people consider themselves spiritual. In fact, 72% of the people in the United States consider themselves spiritual more than they consider themselves religious. And so this idea of spiritual is something that I think connects to a lot of people. And sure, there are atheists, there are agnostics, but the majority of people in this world believe that they have some kind of awareness of this other dimension that we're calling spirit, spiritual. I know that before I became a follower of Christ, I had that kind of an awareness. And my kind of bringing up was more along a Hindu line, you know, where I believed that God was everything and everything was God. But I, I remember having experiences that were spiritual, and sometimes it would be out in open. You might be out at the ocean and seeing the waves and you are just moved. And it moves you in such a powerful way that it's a spiritual experience. And you've heard that. Some people see movies and have spiritual experiences from movies. You know, something really touches you. And man, it, was, it just impacted my life in such a way. And we have these senses that move us in different ways. I mean, we all have these ideas and senses to some degree or, or another. The sense of sound, you are able to hear. And we put meaning to these sounds and we make music. And, and that music, depending on what kind of music it is, moves you sometimes to a certain way. How many times people hear a song and they start crying because of a song, because of how it moves them? And now you're having this emotional response to the sensation that you're having. And the same thing can happen with our other senses. You know, the sense of taste. It's an amazing thing. When you can taste something, have you ever 
eaten something, maybe it's a cheesecake or maybe it's a medium rare filet wrapped in bacon. You know, you, you have something and you taste it and it just, it's a religious experience. I mean, it just moves you and you're just thinking, oh, this is so amazing. And you're drawn by these senses. And just like we are moved by these other senses, the sense of sight, seeing that sunset, or the sense to be able to hear and the sounds and hear music or to hear a baby laughing that just gets to the core of who you are when you hear that just from the gut laugh of a child that just does something to you. Or that sense of taste or smell something that just moves you or reminds you. There is a sense that is not part of these five, but it is something that is a part of being human that is spiritual. And just like we have these other senses, there is a spiritual sense. And can you imagine trying to explain to someone who cannot see what a sunset looks like? you would start talking in things that didn't make any sense to them. Well, there's red and there's purple and it just looks like the sky is on fire. None of your words would connect to what you're trying to say as clearly as the experience itself. Try and describe that steak that just melts in your mouth to someone else who doesn't have taste buds. It won't makes sense. They'll think you're crazy. It'll sound like mythology to them. And and so sometimes this idea of spirit can be the same way. We have this connection to God in this spiritual sense, but it's impossible to describe. And yet God is spirit. And it is an important part of who he is and how he interacts with us. And so it is important to understand, because before we can understand how the Spirit of God works, we need to understand who the Spirit of God is. Because when we have a clear understanding of who he is, then it'll make sense how he works and how does the Spirit of God connect to our spirit, because that is the dimension that it takes place in. And so it's important that we look at these things and we try to find out that we would be able to become so aware of this reality that it would actually start to shape how we live. An awareness of the spiritual world that we live in and the spirit of God If we could be so in tune with it, it would have an addicting effect to it. Just like a person who was addicted to a drug or narcotic or alcohol, where that starts to shape the way they live. What if our awareness to the Spirit of God had such an effect on us, it actually shaped our humanity? Because I believe it's meant to. I believe it's supposed to have just that. And so... We become aware of these things. And as we talk about God and God is spirit, you know, how, what do we mean when we say God and that God is spirit? How does that look and what does it shape like? Because it's real important that we understand different ideas of people who say God. There, there is a lot of idea that God is, again, part of the creation itself. 
where God is more of an energy, more of a force, right? If you're in the Star Wars generation, the force be with you kind of a thing. And so the idea of God being a force or an energy, and again, we understand how people can come to this idea. Because you see creation and it moves you, it energizes you, it impacts you, and so you see something divine in it, and then their reaction says, well, well, this is God. But, but that's not how the scriptures talk about that. That's not what the scriptures explain about those things. You see, the scriptures say that God is spirit, but that he is a being, More accurately, he is a person, not like in a human being, her son, not like a a human person, but he is a person who is a being, that God is a he, not like in a him male, but like in a him person. And you see the difference between This idea of God being spirit, being a being, being a person, and God being an energy or being a force is huge because an energy or a force does not have a voice into your life on how to live. It is just there. A person has influence. A person has in a sense, character. You see, God being a person now has a right or wrong or a morality about it, that this is now a moral universe that we're living in. It's not just out there and everyone makes their own mind. No, there is a person behind it and he is the one who sets the things in motion. It implies character and more importantly, it implies relationship. You see, you don't have a relationship with an it, right? If you don't believe me, try calling significant other an it. What am I going to get it for Valentine's Day, right? It, it, something's going to go wrong there if you say or try that. It, it, you, you don't have a relationship with an it. When I'm doing dog trainings, a lot of times one of the corrections to a dog is leave it. And it doesn't matter if it's a shoe or if it's another dog or if it's a person. We just say, leave it. And I remember walking the dog one time. Dog was going to, you know, go after this person. And I said, leave it. And they stopped. They go, I'm not an it. I was like, I'm sorry. I was talking to the dog. But anyway, we take offense if you were to talk to someone as an it. If your boyfriend calls you an it, drop him right now, okay? It's not going to work. It's not dealing with the relational aspect. And so uh, it does not have a say into your life. But if God is a spirit, a personal being, then we can engage in a relationship with him and he with us. And so if God is spirit and God is a person, not just energy or a force, then What is the dynamic of our relationship with him? And John 16, 33, Jesus says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but will speak whatever he hears and will tell you what is to come. 
he is going to have interaction with us. He is now able to guide us into truth. He is able to lead us the things that he hears. He speaks to us and we're able to move. I think one of the problems that we have when we start dealing with this area of spirit, at least that I have, is when I hear people talk a lot about spirit or the spirit, a lot of times they're weird. Okay, truthfully, I mean, they're, you know, barking or they're rolling on the floor. They're being, you know, different things are happening to them. And it just seems out of, like, I don't want God to give me that. You know, I want to remain, you know, talking like a human or I want to remain in control. I don't want to be flailing. And you guys know what I mean. There's the ultra Pentecostal things that take place where it's all of a sudden it's like, okay, this seems foreign. I have people that I interact with and I talk to them on a regular basis. But if I go to their church, it's like, who are you? You're not the person I went out to eat with the other day. Okay. All of a sudden you're someone else. And it strikes me as a little strange. And sometimes that can be a little off putting. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more, just what takes place. But that shouldn't keep us from engaging in God by his spirit because he is wanting to guide us and to lead us and to speak to us in so many ways. And so we're going to look at some scriptures here. Turn with me, first of all, to... Genesis chapter 1. Let's start there. As we see the work of God in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, verses 1 through 4. We've been touching on this passage quite a bit as we were talking about the image of God. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep. But the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. And that idea of moving is also hovering or, or almost reverberating. It was this kind of energy taking place. It's almost like a bird flapping its wings that causes some kind of air pressure that's moving. God was hovering or the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. So God separated the light from the darkness. And so from the very beginning, we see that the spirit of God is moving and we see that life is being created. Light is being created here, but then later on, life would be created. The Spirit of God is connected to the creation that we see. And so as we see the creation of God taking place, the creation that we live in, we see that the Spirit of God was there from the beginning. And it's important that we understand the Hebrew mind, when it talks about the Spirit of God, it's in the mind of God creating, God moving. Whenever you hear the Spirit of God, it has this idea involved with it. And now we see that God is creating. And so now we're getting into a dynamic. God created. What did God create from? Now, science tells us, or at least a lot of the theories that are out there now, that everything came from nothing. Which goes against everything that science tells us. Because science tells us everything has to come from something. 
But it says it came from nothing. At least that's the most popular theory right now. That everything started, but it came from nothing. It's not a scientific method, because we know that for something to come about, it has to come from something, not nothing. But they believe that everything had an origin, origin that just began from nothing. And that's not what the scripture says. Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were set in order at God's command so that the visible has its origin in the invisible. And so Scripture says that the visible came from the invisible. You say, well, what's the difference between what's invisible and nothing? Well, there's a big difference. The material actually had its origin in the spiritual. It was actually connected to the God who created it. And I'm not just making this up. Um, In John chapter 1, turn with me there, John chapter 1. Verses 1 through 4. And it's important because as we get to see who the Spirit is and how He is working, what happens is we get to see how that works, work takes place in our own lives. Okay? It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning. This is reminiscent of Genesis very beginning, all things were created by him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. So everything was created by him. Nothing that we see was created without him. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And so we see that Jesus is also connected to this creation. He's connected to the life that was there. And it was through him that all this was made. It came from him. So it's not just that it was not there. It was created through him. It was in Christ. There is an intimate relationship between creation and its creator, that everything came out of Christ. Didn't just happen that it actually came from him. Paul further comments on this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. He says, the son is the image of the invisible God. Now think about that a second. The image of of the invisible God. Does that sound strange to anyone? An image of something invisible? You see, what's invisible doesn't have a shadow. The image of the invisible God. So here is Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Things that are visible and things that are invisible. And we're talking 
about the spiritual realm when we talk about the invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. The idea that it is invisible, that it doesn't exist, it is it exists in this spiritual realm. Okay, it's not that it wasn't there, it existed through Christ. You see, the idea is if it's invisible, it doesn't exist, is like a blind man saying, because I can't see anything, nothing exists. Because I can't see, it doesn't, there is no sunset. Why? I don't see it. Well, there's something invisible, it means it doesn't exist. No, you're just dealing with the things that are visible, but he is the creator of both the visible and the invisible. He is the image of the invisible God, and he's talking about what is spirit, what is spiritual. If God is a being in relationship with his creation, he is going to be in relationship with us through his spirit. And just like we need the sense of touch to feel or or the sense to be able to see something, we need to understand if we are going to commune with God and have interaction with God, it is going to be in this realm of the invisible. It is going to be by and through his spirit. See, God is the creator. Everything else is the creation. This is who made the technical term stuff, okay? Everything else is stuff. He is before all things. Jesus created all things. That's the stuff. He is the one who made this. This is where it began, and this is where it starts to show up. And and pretty soon... What happens is we start thinking, okay, God is spirit, and so this is the spiritual things here. Everything that is spiritual is connected to God, and all the stuff is secular. Because this isn't God, it's just the stuff, and this is God. And what we start to do is detach everything here from everything here. And so now, if something is going to be spiritual, it's got to be something, in a sense, invisible. It's got to be something that is just, you know, what's connected to God. And so pretty soon, there are only a few things that really are spiritual. When we come to church, it's a spiritual event because we're, we're coming here to worship God. When we pray, it's a spiritual event because we're coming in and we're connecting to God here. But everything else is just secular. And so we start to divide the things that are spiritual and the things that are a part of everyday life. But if I'm understanding Scripture correctly, that all the stuff that is visible was formed from the invisible. The invisible God created these things, and so these, just like God brought his son into the world, and he is the image of the invisible God, these things have their origin with God. They are not God, 
They are a part of his creation, but they are ways that we can actually connect to God in an everyday sense. It's not that we have to have spiritual moments. We are supposed to live spiritual lives. And that we don't have to get rid of all this to encounter God We need to understand how this is in relationship to God. Because just because it's visible doesn't mean it can't be, in a sense, spiritual or or sacred. And that's when we start to say, well, if I'm going to have something spiritual taking place, it has to be over the top. It has to be sensational. I have to make it seem overly spiritual. There have been times, even in Scripture, where Elijah was running for his life, and he he was running from Jezebel. And you guys know the story when he went and hid on the mountain, and it says that there was an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. There was fire, and it wasn't in the fire. But then it says there was a great wind. He wasn't in the wind, but then there was that still, small voice. And so it doesn't have to be over the top. You see... Maybe God is working, God is already speaking, and it's taking place all around us. But what we need to do is see it in relationship to God in the accurate way. Because when we don't see things accurately, we actually miss the possibility of engaging in the work of God because we are not seeing how they interact with the world around us. Jesus is our example. When Jesus would walk and he would see someone and he would speak to them. And he says, the words I speak, they're not mine, but my father. Everything I do is what my father has done. And so we have the image of Christ showing us what God is wanting to do with a human being, with a person like us. How does he know what to say to those people? How does he know how to speak to the woman at the well or the one who was blind? Why, you know, he's at a place where there's probably a lot of people who need healing. How did he know to go to this one person? Because he is living with an awareness that God is at work in the visible because The invisible God is the one who has created all things. And so he can look at that person and say, God is doing something to this person. I need to speak to them. Have you ever been impressed to talk to somebody? You just have this, like, I just see someone, and I might see a countenance, and I just feel this kind of push. It's almost like God is saying, go, talk. It's like, hey, I don't know what to say. You know, what, what do you want me to say? Hey. How's it going? And then you get an impression like, hey, how are you? Is everything okay? Maybe it's even someone you know. Things okay? Well, actually. And then they start telling you, how did you know? It wasn't like, Sam, go talk to them. They need you. It was an impression. It was was the Spirit of God at work in the everyday world. The God who created these things is now interacting with us in the midst of these things. And if we understand that everything material came out of the invisible, which is spiritual 
material, it can change how we view everything. Because pretty soon, instead of thinking this is spiritual and this is secular, we start to think everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual because everything that was made was created from the invisible, that spiritual realm. And if we see that, then God is at work everywhere at all the time. And what we need to do is see how is he working. We've gotten into a mindset, the secular, the sacred. This is the world, and this is of God. And we, you know, there's 1 John chapter 2. Verse 14 or 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not coming from God, but is from the world. And the world and its lust will pass away. But the one who does the will of God will abide forever. And so there it is. Everything physical or everything visible is of the world and then the one who's connected to God in the spiritual realm will go on forever but that's not what it's saying because what about when John said God so loved the world so he's definitely not talking about the same thing even though it's the same word what does he mean the world you see if you think that the world or all that exists is just material, then you're missing the point. God doesn't want us to love, yeah, the material, all the things that are just there to take us away from an understanding of him. But if he created these things, what we are to love is what God loves and how God is interacting in the world. And that's why it drives me crazy when people say, well, you know, is it Christian? You know, that song, is it Christian? I I don't know. How do you determine if it's Christian? Well, did a Christian write it? I don't know. See, I know songs that are considered Christian and the people who wrote it aren't very good people. I used to do concerts and put on these Christian concerts at schools. And I can remember one band that we put a concert on. It was at a high school. And I remember one of the guitar players in the band was trying to pick up on the 17-year-old that was there at the high school. And he is about 30. And I remember going, whoa, this ain't right. But he was a Christian band. You see, it is... it. A Christian radio station. Can a radio station be Christian? Oh, that, that's sacred. Why is the radio station? What, what is it about the radio station that's sacred? Is it the radio tower? Is it the instruments? No, it's the message that goes through. Well, isn't God's message able to come through in the visible? Can't God work through other things other than just what we deem sacred? 
And pretty soon, we're dividing these lines and making everything that is spiritual something that we can't really attain to. It's when you get to heaven, it'll be spiritual. But right now, just got to get past this world. Oh, this world is so just, you know, just evil and corrupt. I just can't wait to get out of this world. And God is saying, no, I pray that you wouldn't take them out of this world, but that through them, they might reach the world. Isn't that what Jesus said? wants us in the world, it's because he wants to continue to redeem everything that he has created. And he's going to do that through us. And if we understand that everything material came out of the invisible, spiritual material, it will change how we interact with it. And whenever the scriptures speak of the Holy Spirit, it's always before something happens. When the Spirit of God moved on the waters. The Spirit of God, when he shows up in the Scripture, and the Spirit of God, dot, 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 sit up. Something is going to happen. See, it never says, and the Spirit of God just hung out and watched everything take place. Whenever it says the Spirit of God, something is about to happen. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Big miracle there. Spirit shows up, Mary's pregnant with Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, John the Baptist is speaking, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. When Jesus comes, he's not going to just baptize you with water. Water is not going to change your life, but he will. He is going to baptize you, and it's going to change who you are. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so when the Spirit of God is there, it's going to bring something energizing and something that changes the circumstances, something that changes the world around. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, let's turn there. Acts chapter 1. I wrote the former account, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After he had given orders by the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, to the same apostles also after his suffering, he presented himself alive with many convincing proofs. He was seen by them over a 40-day period and spoke about many matters concerning the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he declared, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for what my father promised, which you heard about from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so we see kind of uh, echoing of what happened in the very beginning when the Spirit of God moved on the waters. The Spirit of God is now going to move on these group of people and is going to bring about this new creation, this new world, this new covenant that God is establishing through these people who are now being moved by God's Spirit. 
Verse 6, so when they had gathered together, they began to ask him, Lord, what is this the time when you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He told them, you are not permitted to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the farthest parts of the earth. And so you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Not you will go out and witness. No, you will be the witness. What is going to be the witness? The Spirit of God is upon you. Who you are is connected to the invisible God. Your Spirit and God's Spirit are now interacting. Just as Jesus heard from His Father, you too can hear from your Father. And as Jesus would go to that person and say, rise up and walk, God can speak to you and say, go and talk to that person and speak to them or say this to them because now the Spirit of God is speaking to you just like he spoke to Jesus. You are now God's vehicle to bring this message to the world. And just like the Spirit of God moved on the waters, now you are the ones, the agents that God is moving through, this group of people. And what is invisible will become principal to your existence even more than what is visible. God, the invisible God, is now a reality to us as much as the things that we see. We live in an understanding that there is more happening than what we can see, that there is a truth to the things that are invisible, and they are all around us. We are swimming in the spiritual realm even though we don't see it. And if we became aware that the Spirit of God is working and speaking and leading, guiding us, we would start to live our lives in a way that reflected the reality that that holds. But if we think it's just material, it's just visible, then everything becomes really kind of meaningless. It's just secular. It's just stuff. But God can use stuff. He can use these senses. He can use the conversations. He can do, use and work through imagery. He can work through the things that we encounter on a regular basis. And we need to understand that. So don't make a false distinction between sacred and secular. Don't divide God between the things that are invisible and the things that are visible. Recognize that the things that are invisible came out of the invisible that Jesus himself was the image of the invisible God, and God created all these things through Christ. So they are not God, but they are created by God, and therefore they have a spiritual origin. Why is that important? Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. 
So many times when we think of, well, the Holy Spirit is moving. What does that look like to you? What, what, what is that supposed to be? The Holy Spirit is moving. Well, he, he's impressing on our hearts. He's, he's moving in some invisible way. But what does the Spirit of God's action, movement, look like to an individual? Romans chapter 8, it says, Therefore is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the life-giving Spirit in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law could not do. It was weakened through the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And concerning sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. So that the righteous requirements of the law might may be fulfilled in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. How do you walk according to the spirit? You're walking in relationship with God. You're not walking in relationship to the elements. When Paul is talking about the flesh, he is not just talking about the evil things that you do. He he was referring very specifically to the ethnicity that they held important as Jewish people. We're Jews, therefore we're right with God. And he's saying you don't walk in accordance with the flesh, you're walking in accordance with God because that is who you belong to now. And so you're walking according to the spirit, according to the one who created you, not to your ethnicity. Not through a natural, not through a visible world that's detached from this spiritual understanding. For those, verse 5, who live according to the flesh have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit have their outlook shaped by the things of the spirit. Those who think that it's just about their nationality, it's just about the the things that I've learned, it's just about who I am as a, a Jewish person or about the things that I do now in this understanding or this religious area, you're missing the point. You're just shaped by those things. But those who live according to the Spirit have their outlook shaped by the things of the Spirit. They're aware that God is at work in everything. And now everything becomes a possibility for God to work in and through you. He goes on and he says, verse 6, For the outlook of the flesh is death, but the outlook of the spirit is life and peace, because the outlook of the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not submit to the law of God, nor is it able to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If the spirit of God lives in you, then you are connected to the work and things of God. It's not about ethnicity. It's not about religious background. It is about who God is in you and you recognizing the Spirit of God at work, and you are now a part of that work. It is something that shapes who you are. He goes on and he says, 
because the outlook of the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to the law of God, nor is it able to. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but the Spirit indeed, the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, this person does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, but your spirit is, but the spirit is your life because of righteousness. So you are dead if you don't have Christ in you. You are just living as if it was all material if the spirit of God is in you. Now, the spirit is your life because he has made you right. Moreover, if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will also make your mortal bodies alive through his spirit who lives in you. Notice the tense. If the spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you, he will make your mortal bodies alive. When? Right now. This isn't about when you die. You are alive now. You are alive in the creation of God. You are now supposed to be the voice of God to the world around you right here, right now, not later on when you die. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now is in you and has made you alive. Now. And this idea of, well, when I die, I'm going to, you know, then I'm going to be spiritual. No, you are meant to be spiritual right now. You are meant to be alive in the spirit right now, in the world, right where you are at, affecting all that is visible with the truth and the knowledge of the invisible God who is now a part of your life. You don't have to wait for him to come and make some kind of change. He has given you himself and we live in this disconnect of the spirit of God so often and it's because we are living fragmented. We are moved to think that what we see has no connection to what is invisible. We are moved to think that the natural world is all secular and you have to have the spiritual world, which is only a certain things that are blessed by the church or whatever. Those are the sacred things. And we don't see that, no, God has made us alive to work in this world to be alive, that we are to be alive right here, right now. And he goes on and he says... Sorry, I got a little excited there. So then, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are God's children. So instead of dividing it here between sacred and secular, what Jesus is doing is dividing it here between spirit and flesh. 
spirit is recognizing that God has created the world with intention, with purpose, that he is a being, he is a person, character who is in relationship to the world that he has created. And he said it was good, but then because of sin and the, the change that took place in us, we started to see things out of context with the creator who made them. And so we started living in this area of the flesh, separated from the creator. And what Paul is telling us is that Jesus has come to get our minds aware once again of the God who has created everything. And it is the spirit of God who connects our spirit to him through the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done. So that now we have this relationship with God, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit. We are God's children. If we are children, then heirs, namely heirs of the God and also fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we might also be glorified with him. And so Jesus has come to make us who we were intended to be, the children of God. And it is the person and work of Christ that now enables God's spirit to come into our lives because of his sacrifice and has now made it possible so that we can hear God clearly, that we could understand and live in the sense of a spiritual realm even though we are here in a visible material world. And that we don't have to die and go to heaven to have a relationship with God. That it's supposed to take place now. That the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now what makes us alive. When I see what Jesus did and what I see what took place in the book of Acts, it's so natural. When when they're walking by and they see the man who's begging for money and they say, what do you want? And the guy says, well, I'm looking for money. And then Peter says, well, silver and gold, I don't have any, but what I have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. It just kind of happens. You know, and it's like, what the heck? How did that happen? It's as if he was just walking and all of a sudden God says, yeah, him, talk to him. And he does. Why? Because he is living in an understanding that God is all around. It doesn't happen. They don't have revival meetings in the book of Acts. They don't. They don't have big movements and, okay, everyone come down for revival Sunday. And we're going, the Spirit of God is going to move and let's whoop up the Holy Spirit and we're going to really get the Spirit of God moving here and let's get all you into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just kind of happens. And the miraculous happens almost interactive with the natural so that you can't even see where one ends and one begins. And if we would stop trying to spectacularize the spiritual and recognize we are living in it, it is the air we breathe. It is the life we live that has been made alive by Jesus that the miraculous would start to not only change the world around us, but it would actually start to change us. And isn't that the proof of a spirit-filled life is a changed life? 
See, these people, that guy who was in the Christian band, there was something lacking in his proof. Oh, he sang the songs, but his life was a far cry from the God that he was singing about. And the proof of a spirit-filled life is it changed life. The fruit of the spirit, Galatian tells us. Joy, peace, long-suffering, those are character qualities. Yes, because when we are living in relationship with God, it affects our life. I want to see a miracle take place. Let's see peace. Let's see self-control. Let's see the Spirit of God work in you. And guess what? Then pretty soon, other things start to happen. Pretty soon we see other things taking place in our lives. Why? Because our lives are in Union with the Spirit of God. And so this is a mysterious thing. We're talking about the Spirit. But it is also a natural thing because it is who God has made us to be. It is the world that we live in. Everything that is visible was made out of the invisible. God created these things from a spiritual realm and we are not physical beings with spiritual appetites. We are spiritual beings with physical appetites. Which way are you living? Are you living more like a a physical being that just has an understanding, wanting, longing to be spiritual? Or do you recognize that you are a spiritual being, but you have physical appetites to eat, to drink, those things? Who are you? Because if spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in you, then this is who you belong to. The God who created you, who wants to have a relationship with you, who wants to have a voice in your life, who wants you to be holy as he is holy, who wants to conform you into his image, and who wants to use you to change the world around you so that everything that you make contact with is now brought together with the creator who's created you and created the things. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would recognize, Lord, that we are spiritual beings. And Lord, I know it's difficult to get past just the visual things, the things that are seen, and to allow them to have the loudest voice in our lives. And Lord, the way we know that we are led by your spirit is that we start to become more like you. That whoever acknowledges that Jesus is Lord has the spirit of Christ. And we acknowledge that you are Lord by living lives that reflect that. And so, Lord, may we live in an understanding 
that we were created spiritual beings. But we were made from the invisible. We were made from spiritual material that now has been made visible. But may we not lose sight of you, of your intention for us, and of the relationship we are to have with you. And I pray, Father, that this would begin to dominate our lives more and more. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.